0: I invite you to gently bring your awareness to your next breath. Breathing in, breathing out. And on the next breath, hold it for a moment and release it. And as you release, put down anything that is Not required in this moment of concern or attention or awareness. And breathing down in your mind's eye and focusing on your heart. Imagine in your mind's eye, your heart breathing, expanding, cracking open. And breathing down now in your awareness a couple inches below your navel point to that center of intuition, where the infinite communicates with us, and breathing into that space, that soft belly. In your mind's eye, imagine this beautiful earth, a miniature of the earth, spinning before you, the size of a soccer ball, perhaps. And spinning the blue, the green, the white. And with our mind, our heart, and our intuition open to simply offer unconditional love and blessing to that sphere. As we sing this song today, let the, each note, each breath that we take, be a blessing to this earth. Be a blessing to whatever comes to mind for us to bless it, unconditionally and absolutely. And let this energy build throughout our discussion today so that at the end we will take this excess energy that comes back to us. This is the activity of tithing, that what we give returns to us pressed down and overflowing. And I'm not talking finances. I'm talking the energy, that precious energy and awareness and consciousness that we are. So wherever there is discord, war, lack terror, trauma, wherever it is happening, we offer unconditional love and we bless it. Knowing that a a bigger idea and a bigger opportunity is being given birth right here and right now. And so with that intention said, let us let this beautiful earth spin before us as we sing, as we engage our minds in the discussion this day, preparing us then to direct this excess energy anywhere we choose, So please join me if you feel free and comfortable. In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power to walk through our every fear. Or spirit, one spirit, is in this very room, in this very room. So I know a mighty moving force for good is moving in and through and as each and every one of us because we become that doorway. For spirit can only do for us what spirit can do through us. And so to create that doorway, that threshold of opportunity, I know that there's something beautiful happening here and now, that we deepen in our own relationship with that that unseen force for good, but perceived and felt absolutely, that we are being informed in every good way, that there's something alive and dynamic here and now because we have, we have created that fertile soil of opportunity. Now this day is filled with blessings. Everywhere I look, I see the face of God, I see the activities of this unseen force seeking expression and finding it upon this beautiful planet in each blade of grass, each flower. The sunrise and the sunset, the cycles. The joy on faces where there once were tears. The opportunity is to continue to grow and expand. And so I know this day for each and every one of us has everything energetically, intellectually, spiritually, and emotionally to open ourselves to a grand and extraordinary opportunity. For this, I give thanks and invite you to stay with me. And so it is. All right. So we're getting back into classes and people are coming back from holidays and next weekend will be if you're not all gonna be here, let me know now and I'll just uh, phone her in myself, but I know it's the last long weekend and, and then we get back into classes. And in um, preparation for that, and as Reverend Catherine McLeod discussed in the announcements, anyway, I'm gonna invite Deb Bodner up to come in, and share with. Deb is, um, is somewhat new to the center in the last year or so and is, serves as our treasurer and does a spectacular job with that as well on our board of trustees. And we can hug again like we haven't done this already this morning, thank you so much. And I've asked Deb to come up forward and speak a bit about her experience with the center and with classes. Um, And so you did such a beautiful job the first service that here you are again. So thank you for your time and service to this community, not just today. Thank you.
1: Thank you you so much. Uh, As Reverend Patrick said, I joined the center probably in early 2004. Started coming, and in the fall of 2014, I. Joined or signed up for Foundations and Prosperity Plus. Prior to that, um, I had been searching for meaning and, and more purpose to my life. So, for those prior eight years, it was just something more. Um, so, embarking on that path, um, I, w- I was reflecting actually if if I w- if someone would have asked me what my dream was then. I would have said it was something that was probably safe, something that was probably reflected the circumstances that I was in at that time, that maybe maybe required me to stretch a bit, but, but not, you know, it was something that was fairly easy to reach out for. Fast forward a year today or thereabouts, um, I've gone through foundations, Prosperity Plus, dream building a couple of times. Um, uh, think and Grow Rich I did as well and then I'm currently in the Life Mastery program with Stacy and like Martin, Martin Luther King I have a dream and that dream as requires me to to be a bigger person to be a um, to be a, a better self to reach out to um, it requires me to believe and know that the dream needs to be worthy of me. So um, I'm thrilled. I've got passion uh, for my life again. And uh, I invite you to consider what your life is, what your dream is. Sorry.
0: Beautiful. Thank you, Deb. Thank you for your you. service and being with us today. So I would say classes really help us uh, focus and, ex- and uh, accelerate our. Um, Our learning and our transformation and so I encourage everyone that has an opportunity I know it's not available uh, sometimes schedule wise but it's something to to consider and and it just helps us um, I think move along in our own um, transformation so thank you very much Deb I wanted to we're talking using the book the one thing by Gary Keller It is a best-selling book been on the New York Times bestseller list Uh, the surprising simple truth behind extraordinary results we're finishing up this week and um, it's a wonderful little book if you don't have it in your library or on your kindle it's it's really worth having some wonderful simple but very profound uh, insights as to what uh, people that have, have made a significant difference in their own lives have uh, adopted as their practices and uh, so this one thing the extraordinary results that we'll be talking about today i want to begin with showing you a short video of uh, an opportunity and i think it speaks volumes to um, how we operate on the planet and, and what we make ourselves available to. And so I'm going to invite our video uh, per, person to... It's your approach.
2: lucky day today. You win a free ten ounce silver bar, pure silver bullion, or a free Hershey's king size chocolate bar. Take this one. You'll take the chocolate bar. Who needs a ten ounce bar of silver? Right? No. Have a good day. Bar. It's your choice. A free ten ounce bar of silver bullion, or a free king-size Hershey bar? I think I'll take the Hershey bar. Go ahead. Stick it's in. your lucky day. Just right. fresh out of the refrigerator. Thank you. Thank you very much. Who needs a 10-ounce bar of silver when you can have a good, delicious bar of chocolate, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. All right, thank you. Thank you. Would rather have the Hershey bar than the silver bar?
0: Yes, I would. Oh, you would. Yeah, okay. Like the Hershey bar, you can eat the silver bar. Yeah,
2: that's right. You can't eat the silver. What are you going to do with a 10-ounce <laughs> bar of silver, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Which one do you want?
1: the chocolate because I'm a girl and Go. it's been a
2: cranky day. Okay, it's yours. Eat it quick because it's getting hot out here. It's fine. Stuffing people a free Hershey bar today or a free silver bar. Which one would you prefer? Silver? I'll take the... Who needs a silver bar? Lucky day today, a free chilled Hershey bar out of, straight out of the fridge or this bar of silver. Ten what? ounces. What are
0: you guys doing?
2: Which one do you want?
0: Uh, well, I don't have any. I don't have any way to do anything with the silver.
2: Okay, so you'd prefer the Hershey bar?
1: Yeah, but is it real?
2: Yes. Just straight out of the fridge. Doesn't seem real. The, the Hershey bar doesn't seem real. I mean, we could go into this <laughs> coin shop. We could verify the silver bar is real. No, that's all right. It's real. I,
1: I always take chocolate.
2: Always take chocolate. Enjoy. Um, you're a winner today. We're offering a free Hershey bar right out of the fridge or a free silver bar. It's 10 ounces. It's a little tarnished. Which one do you want?
1: I don't know. Um, chocolate bar.
2: Go ahead. Right. It's yours. You're a winner. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Have a good day. You're a winner. It's a, you win either a free 10 ounce bar of tarnished old silver bullion, or this Hershey bar just out of the fridge.
1: Uh, what what is the, what's going to happen?
2: Which one do you want? The candy. Go ahead. It's yours. All right, we got another winner for the Hershey bar giveaway. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Subscribe. to
0: so we'll be giving away uh, Hershey bars after service. <laughs> but isn't it fascinating that every person took the chocolate? And I, think, I, I actually think it's, it's a bit uncomfortable because people probably did suspect the value of the silver and, then, and to be so um, confronted with that without any forethought about what we're capable of receiving. I just think it speaks volumes to our capacity. So when we're talking about these things like the one thing, And and these ideas, there's that whole subtext of our capacity to give and receive, which I think, you know, when when we talk about prosperity plus, which is just one path, but when when our capacity to give and receive is uh, shut down a little bit, um, then all of this head stuff, will only take us so far. And that's my, you know, I did the uh, Wednesday night service in Kelowna and I did a John of God talk and I showed a little bit of John of God and I talked about the energetics of, and then we did a, a guided meditation. Right now, we've set up this idea of blessing the earth and that activity is still going on. If you were participating in that as we go. But blessing, whatever we give, we get back. And it's not just finances, it's energetically, it's love, it's hatred, it's uh, revenge or it's, it's unconditional forgiveness. But when you participate in it, it always comes back, and it builds and builds. And, and I think sometimes it's easy to forget that. So I talked about, I want to talk to you about tithing tonight when I was in Kelowna. And I said, and I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about that, that divine source of life that you are, and I am. And when we're the opening for that, as Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Well, what good does that do me if I keep it under a bushel basket, as he would say? And so it's really our opportunity to understand that at a deeper level, that life, all of this stuff is so temporary. And, we, and, 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 and so what's here, I think, for us is an opportunity to grow in consciousness so that we become more available to what wants to find its way to us. And in this case, it's either a candy bar or a silver bar. But if we have an idea of what's precious to us moving forward with the one thing, then we can inform our decisions now based on what that ultimate goal might be. And I love that about Gary Keller. He, he, he is a wonder, this book he put together is, I think, a, a beautiful example of where we place our attention. <clears throat> it grows. So the one question around this book that I think is, and is the heart and soul of it, is what's the one thing that I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? What's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or Unnecessary. which is a really powerful question. And he talks about drilling down and drilling down and drilling down to the point where we find that one thing. So what is that one thing? Bless you. I'm going through this with you this week. in This last two weeks, I've had Lisa Litwin helping me in my office, and I realized that I've gotten all the books moved out of my office finally. If you've ever been in there with me, it's a little bit of an obstacle course. With the... And it really was, I love the books, and they've been taken care of and put in another spot. But, but there's a, um, that call to bring order to, uh, which order then allows more productivity. And it's, it's very interesting. So when I'm sharing this with you, I'm also working the principles. And it's really, it's really exciting. Because we're only as stuck as long as we think we're stuck. So Archimedes said, give me a lever or lever long enough and I could move the whole world. So what is the lever? What's the one thing that will move your whole world? For myself, for you? People do not decide their futures. They decide their habits. And their habits decide their futures. So what are our habits? What are my habits? What are your habits that we could shift and change? People do not decide their futures. They decide their habits. And if we know what our habits are that line up with that ultimate goal, then it's an opportunity and then we're participating in it. So for these people, maybe those people that, that with the chocolate bar, their, their goal for that day or their goal in their life is to eat as much chocolate and sweet as they possibly could. I doubt that. But if you have a long-term goal of maybe eradicating debt, and debt is not just financial once again. It's spiritual, it's emotional, it's our capacity to give and receive. And I think many of those people just did not feel comfortable with this stranger saying, here's a gold bar. Well, what am I going to owe? Because the, the idea would be if I receive something of such great value, obviously there's a catch to it. This is not a gift, this is sort of a chip, and there'll be an expectation. And I think a lot of that, because there's, it's so uncommon for us to be traveling around the world and people offering us things of, of significant value. But very interesting, it speaks to us individually and it speaks to us culturally. People do not decide their futures, they decide their habits, and their habits decide their future. And so our habits can line up with, as he talks about the three things in this extraordinary results, he talks about purpose, what's your purpose? What is your purpose, what is my purpose? And then our purpose informs our priorities, and our priorities inform our productivity. Very successful people, as Gary Keller talks about in this book, are highly productive, highly productive, because they have a purpose, they have a priority about it, and, and so they're about the business of serving that purpose that they have. What we place the greatest priority on in our pro- productivity on the actions we take. Who we are and where we want to go determine what we do and what we accomplish. And there's five factors to happiness that uh, Martin Segelman pointed out and Gary uses in this book. Gary Kellerman uses in The One Thing. The five factors to happiness. The first one is positive emotion and pleasure. So what brings us happiness is experiencing positive emotion and pleasure. So there's something, there's a, there's a, there's a uh, uh, an enjoyment of it for us. There's something that brings us alive. There's an achievement to it. A beautiful achievement to it. Something that there's a an idea or a goal to move forward with a, a possibility. It involves relationships that are, are meaningful and collaborative and supportive. It involves engagement, and it involves meaning. And the two most important are engagement and meaning. So it's, there's, there's an interest for us that engages us in a, in a, a wonderful way, and then there's some meaning involved. <clears throat> I used, and I'll use it again, the example of uh, for years, Reverend Tammy Banting has been involved with this group Edson Kulu over in Africa and their effort was begun by two people from Edmonton and I just found this out just prior to leaving for Kelowna last week and so I asked Reverend Tammy, I said, how are they doing? Now, they were the ones that were uh, also affiliated with bringing Mamesa, the, the, the choir here. I don't know if you recall that group, but they came and they played and they sang, sang, and it was wonderful. And we did that a couple of performances, and then they moved their game up and went to the Windspear, and, and uh, so I asked uh, Reverend Tammy about this. How's that organization doing? Are your friends still involved? And she said, well, it's self-supporting now. They took this idea of creating a, a hospital, and, and I'm not sure what that looks like, but they built a facility, they built an organization, and the government finally took it over, funds it, they found the the staff, they found the resources, and they found the support, so it's now self-supporting. So here's this two people from Edmonton that had this vision of possibility, which was their one thing, that went over there and did the legwork, and I don't know how many years it took, I think it probably took them 15 years, but I'm not sure, and finally established this so they could hand it off and say, here, this is yours. And I said, so what's he doing now? And Tom, I don't know Tom's last name, but the, the husband of the, the partnership, and I know that the wife was just as involved, but I can't recall her name. But I do know, I said, "What?" and she said, well, he's 83 years old now, and now he's looking to start another one thing. That's my kind of guy. I love that. It's like it's, it's never over until it's over. But I mean, what a beautiful devotion to the greater yet to be. And, that's, and, and so there's people in the world doing these things and just saying, you know, I really want to help. I really want to add value to the world. I want to help people that perhaps cannot help themselves as, as much as I'd like to see, so what can I do? And so create something that eventually becomes self-supporting, self-sustaining, and, is, and, and so their main focus over there is around this AIDS crisis. And all the people at the time, you remember when AIDS was breaking out all over the planet and it was a death sentence? And not so much anymore, not so much anymore. My brother's an attorney in the Minneapolis and he said he had a client that was buying life insurance policies for all these fellows that had come up with AIDS. Talk about aberrant greed. So he would buy if you had AIDS and you had a life insurance policy, he would pay you for your life insurance policy, and then he would cash it in when you passed away. The only problem was that the medical technology caught up and everybody was living a long time, so it was a really lousy investment, which is a good thing, I think. But he was telling me about that strategy. I thought, wow, quite a quite a statement on uh, on commerce. But so these so things having having meaning and engagement that keeps us alive. Because when there's an engagement to it, there's a vitality to it. So purpose is what is the one thing that you or I want our lives to be more about than anything else? What's the one thing that we want our lives to be about more than anything else? And that's unique and different for all of us. But then he goes through the steps here and he said that goal setting to the now is one of the practices that he articulates in the book. Goal setting to the now. So having a someday goal. So we have a, as a community, we've talked about it. You know, we did a rendering of the big building, right? And if you've seen it, it's a wonderful picture of what was the possibility here of building a new building. But we also have the information to know that in order to build a new building, we have to do more with our program, which we should be doing anyway. That should be done anyway, to, to, to bless people's lives with what we have to offer. You know, when I was in Kelowna, here this, I was so blessed, we have this beautiful facility. They have an office that's about Oh, it's like a one, two-car garage. We had 54 people wedged in there on Wednesday night to do spiritual practice. And, it, and this is not a criticism, it's an observation. I'd never been there before. And I thought, we are so blessed to have a, a space where we can meet that we have ample seating at the moment. Bless you. But also, and of course, they, ra- they rent a big hall on the weekends to do their Sunday service. But I just thought, wow. Was this? But, but so we have a, a, a possibility of what the ultimate i just use this as an example, the ultimate. And so, what will it, so then what he says is have the ultimate goal. Okay, we have a facility that, that services all of our programs that, you know, that we can, and that we can um, do so many things and there's a lot of things on that list. But so what do we do over the next five years? What's possible in the next five years? So break it down to the someday goal, take it down to the next five years. And then bring it down to a one-month goal. What could we do this month that will service the five-year goal which will service, be in service to the someday goal? And then what will it be with a weekly goal? So take it down to a weekly goal. And then a daily goal. And then a right now goal. But, but see, if we know that, if you know that, so when someone shows up with a silver bar, you might figure out, you know what, the silver bar will serve that far more than me eating a candy bar over the next five minutes. You know what I'm saying? When we're on fire with a possibility. I always tell people, you have extra money, give to me. I'll do, I'll, we'll do good things with it here. Why not? You know, because I was raised that, you no, know, don't ask for anything. Offer up your suffering for the poor souls in purgatory. And that was a beautiful place to start. And I'm grateful for that. But there's, there was a bigger possibility. You know, but if, unless we ask, unless we set an intention, life will just give us whatever we ask for. Well, not me. I'll just take the chocolate bar and be happy. Success is sequential. It's, it's moving into... Day to day, boom, boom, boom. And so we know right now, we're very clear with what is our priorities at this moment as a community and as a movement and as a ministry and as a force for good in this community. A beautiful, beautiful article I read uh, two days ago. One of our, our members here telling his life story about overcoming violence growing up. That's beautiful. And I texted and said, you know, people need to hear these stories. People need to know that, that everything is not smooth, but there are ways out of it because people feel trapped and they p- feel identified with it. I've had people come to me and say, you know, my grandmother murdered my, my grandma. And I'll say, okay. And what does that have to do with you and I? And as if, as if some way their DNA is connected with that. And that's a belief that you can grab onto. There's something broken within my lineage. And so I have a murderer in my family, so it's possible that I could be a murderer too. It's like, wow, what a waste of energy. Are you thinking about murdering anybody, you know? But it's interesting how we latch onto ideas because our forefathers have done certain things. You know, my, my, my grandparents always struggled. They were always poor. Yeah, you wouldn't want to break that legacy, would you? So it's, it's, just, it's fascinating what people will grab onto. Success is sequential, it's not simultaneous. One thing at a time. Einstein said that we have time because otherwise everything would happen all at once. And for many of us, it feels like everything's happening at once when we're in the chaos. But it's sequential. And if you know where you're going and you know how you can feed that, you know, great wealth is is created over time. Great consciousness is created over time. Great creativity is created over time. It's practice. All the practices. Success is sequential. So deciding what things you and I are are, are not going to do, are not going to participate in. Bill Gates is an example in this early part of this book. Bill Gates is a young man. He was fascinated with computers. He wanted to learn computers. And so he went down and he had had access in his neighborhood to a computer, one of the early computers. And he got very good at that. And then he found a friend and they started writing computer programming. And from that, they found a client. They wrote the computer programming for this client. And they developed this whole company called Microsoft, and they continued to develop that and bring people in and the expertise to expand it and bless our lives. And so when when he reached the peak, of, he was one, uh, one of the richest men in the world for 10 years straight. And then he and his wife said, what's the one thing we can do to have the greatest impact on the planet? I mean, isn't it wonderful that there are people like him that that gather good together, that gather prosperity together and do something that that blesses so many? I mean, that's the ultimate expression of prosperity and abundance. And so they decided, what's the most significant thing they can do? And they went, they did the research and found out it was vaccinations. Vaccinations in these these, uh, third world countries that would allow quality of life to be there that had not been there before. And so they continued to use the same idea about the one thing, the one thing that allows the greatest impact for the greatest amount of people. As, we, as earlier in the books, uh, he talks about multitasking, doing two things at once. Cannot afo- we cannot focus effectively on two things at once. It's called, when we do that, what, what happens with the frontal cortex, we know that from the MRI and all the research they've done now. That's why it's called front and center. This is front and center. If I had my cell phone with me right now and I started to look down at it and start to text while I was talking to you, would you find that distracting and, uh, and a bit disrespectful? I mean, he uses the example of, of a surgeon. Suppose you're, way, you're looking through the window and the surgeon is doing surgery on your loved one, and right in the middle of it, he steps back and pulls his cell phone out and starts to text. <laughs> I take them. I don't count. I'm the conveyor, of the, the um, typically, of the, of the Sunday offering. On Mondays, I take it to the bank. So I don't count it and I don't have anything to do with it other than I bring it over and give it to them. But inevitably, there's always somebody standing in the line at the bank on their cell phone talking while they're doing business with the lady behind the counter. And, I, and it's one of the great spiritual practices in my life to, to not want to say something or do anything. Because it's, but it's fascinating to think that this will be productive. Well, I'm going to take this call while we're counting the money. But the point is multitasking. We're all terrible at it. All terrible at it and he talks about time blocking this is about saying the no to, saying no to create space for the yes time blocking the most successful people are the most productive people there's a beautiful chapter in the book around the time the t- time blocking what's the one thing i can do such that by doing it everything else will be easier or unnecessary And I think it's a wonderful question to work with. I don't think there's a fast answer to that. Because for many people, we don't even know what we want. What is the one thing? You know, as, as Deb said, you're working with Stacey Berger on, the, on the, dream, the dream building. But whatever we give our energy to will grow. And that, could be a, uh, that can be a, in a negative way or it can be in a positive way. You know, um, I really am fond of uh, Father Richard Rohr, and I was listening this week. he was talking about a system. We have a system in the, in the world of honor and shame. And so for men, it goes back to it goes back forever for all of us, but men find honor. you know it's the whole thing of they ride in on the, the white horse. And they're dressed beautifully and they may be in their armor or they may be in their colorful clothes. St. Francis, the founder of the Franciscans and, and one of the, uh, found, well, and one of Richard Rohr's heroes said that St. Francis grew up as the son of a, of a merchant in Assisi that sold all the beautiful clothing. And so when he started the, uh, the, his movement where they went and they restored the church and he truly, Francis of Assisi, really wanted to imitate the life of Christ. And so what he told the guys is, nobody gets to ride a horse. Franciscans are never allowed to get on a horse to this day. It's part of the vow they take. Because that horse represents this false sense of honor. Oh, I ride the horse, and I wear the fancy clothes, and, I've got the, you know, and I'm have got i armed to the, to the T with the, my sword and dagger and spear and whatever it may be. So the Franciscans, they could walk or they could ride a donkey. Every once in a while, they could use a donkey if they had to. And with their clothing, the clothing now, I, always, I watched The Adventures of Robin Hood growing up. I always thought Friar Tuck was in a brown monk's outfit. That's actually just regular wool that got so dirty over time, it looked brown. And he said, and then they wore the belt, they have the rope. They don't wear a belt, they have a rope they tie around their waist. Because in that day, you carried your money, men carried their wealth in their belt. And so they took a vow of poverty because, and they wanted people to know that. Because Francis was all about duplicating the life of of Christ, of of the Jesus of Nazareth. But fascinating, isn't it? Richard Rohr says when he took his vow, they said to him, you guys cannot ever drive or own a Cadillac, a Buick, or a Pontiac. (laughs) Now, they, they don't make the Pontiac anymore. But he said we always had to drive a Chevy or an old Ford. That was it, but it was part of that legacy of devotion and commitment. Isn't that interesting? But he talks about this, this, this culture of honor and shame. And so for men, it's about, I mean, the ultimate of it, the extreme of it would be Donald Trump. Anybody notice Donald lately saying things about people? Donald is shameless. Doesn't care what he says. He just speaks his mind. Doesn't seem to give it much thought before he speaks his mind. He just says what he wants to say. But he's an example of being shameless. And that's one extreme. But what, what Jesus, his message was, is that our honor is not found in riding the horse or driving the car or owning the home. It's much deeper than that. And it can be a distraction. We can fall in, Paramahansa Yogananda says the same thing, you fall in the world of form. You fall asleep in the world of form. And the world of form is a beautiful thing. But it's just, it's just one of the, the things along the way. There's a deeper a deeper connection, a deeper opportunity, and this is what Jesus was saying. And he showed it in his ministry. He hung out with all the people that, that the, those of honor would never hang out with at that time. The wealthy, the politicians, and the power brokers of his time would never go hang out with the prostitutes. Not to just hang out with them, of course. But, and they would never, and and they would never have meals with some of these people. It'd be beneath them because of their their stature. And as a woman in that culture, as as, uh, Father Rohr says, if you lose your honor, you never get it back. I mean, that's one of the that's one of that's still alive today. You know, God forbid a woman should shame herself in some capacity; she's we have to throw her away. I mean, that's very alive on the planet, and that's not what his message was. That redemption, the prodigal son, we can always come home. That honoring is a deeper and deeper uh, way of being. So whatever you believe about yourself—that you're not enough that there's something wrong with you because you made a bad choice at one point in time, you're always, you can always come back. You're always forgiven. You can always come home. Stop, stop making your spiritual practice beating yourself up over and over and over again. And that's the, the beautiful message there. So it's not that, that things are bad and wrong. There's a wonderful story in the book here about the, the king that the beggar comes, in, and the beggar is actually his teacher from another realm. And he comes and he says, Could you please fill? It goes to the king and says, Could you please fill my beggar bowl? And the king said, Of course. And he brings out some jewels from the, the kingdom's storehouse and he has his assistant pour the jewels into the bowl and they disappear. And this happens over and over again. He cannot fill the bowl. And the point is, finally, the king at the end of this short story says, I am humbled. I'm brought to my knees. What's the lesson here? And he says, That this bowl, this neediness, can never be filled. Through this, you're looking in the wrong direction. And so when we understand that, it gives us insight into why people would say, geez, you know what, I'm gonna create an organization that can help as many people as possible, like Bill Gates, or like the man that started it, Epson Kulu. You know, I believe that we, as a community, one of the things we have is an opportunity for, for bigger collaboration with people. There's, there's so many great movements in this in this in this environment, in this community for us to collaborate with and support. We have such a beautiful teaching and perspective of encouragement and possibility. Why can't we partner with some of those folks that are making a difference in the world? That's exciting to me. I was talking to Dr. Ken Gordon this, this past week about it when we were down in Kelowna. The most successful people are the most productive people. So, shall your and my unique gifts be shared? All of us have unique gifts and talents. and Are we gonna share them? Because if we don't think we deserve, if we don't think we're enough, then we probably won't. And it's not the enoughness of honor, it's not the enoughness of, but it's coming, it's making peace, I think that the reason that we have community, we talk about the divine perfection of life, but I think part of this is also to embrace and love those parts of us that we think are broken. That's even harder. It's, it's one thing to say, "Jesus, I'm, I'm perfect, whole, and complete. I'm perfect, whole, and complete. But there's parts of us where it doesn't feel perfect, whole, and complete. And to bring our love and awareness to that and to bless ourselves. So when we finish today, I'm gonna to ask you to take that energy that you've put out into the planet and direct it into your life wherever you find it appropriate. Because tithing always creates a, 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 an excess. We take that excess energy and we bless and get to decide where we want it to go in our lives. Because when we are blessing the world, we're in service to Spirit. We're in spirit service to God. So shall your unique gifts be shared. Shall what is seeking you not find you or be received? My teacher used to always say that Patrick Cameron, that your gifts are waiting for you to accept them. And if you don't accept them, they go on the scrap heap. They're, they can go to no one else. Are you, are you in a position where you're ready to, to accept the gold bar? Or are you always grabbing the chocolate because it's the quick fix? Is a sugar high involved? extraordinary requires a great answer and that's why it requires our awareness and our work what's the what is the extraordinary what is that great answer that great insight a new answer requires new behavior what's the new behavior you Now, part of it for me was the inspiration elisa's calling me and texting me and saying i want to clean it help you clean up your office i said let's do it got rid of the couch you never use the couch anyway anybody need a couch It's blessed. It's a blessed couch, selling for $10,000 this week, but but next week the price will come down. A new answer requires new behavior, and what new behavior will start your journey? What new behavior will start your journey? Wonderful poem in here I'm going to leave you with today that I think is so apropos. It's called My Wage, because this is truly what we teach. My Wage by J.B. Rittenhouse. I bargained with life for a penny. I bargained with life for a penny, and life would pay no more. Life would pay no more. However, I begged at evening when I counted my scanty store. For life is just employer, he gives you what you ask. But once you have set the wages, why, you must bear the task. I worked for a menial hire only to learn dismayed that any wage I asked of life, any wage I asked of life, life would willingly pay. I think that's the one thing about the one thing. What's what is it? Because if, if the infinite always says yes, the infinite always says you got it, whatever it is. And the joy, the great joy in it is the discovery, it's the journey. It's going from here to now. It's like it's like talked about the big dream we have here, but we also know that there there are short-term goals, there are daily goals, and there are weekly goals, and there are monthly goals. We're not there. I know that I'm very clear. What the f- there's formulas of people that have gone before us. What it will take to bring into manifestation what we're looking at. But there's a joy in that. It's like wow, this is great. What an opportunity to see where we can we can land with this. It doesn't you don't, you don't risk everything because you have this ultimate goal. Don't go in Monday morning and quit your job. But it, it's it's that sequential it's that sequential movement. I have a lot of people that come in and they want to do counseling work with me and they, and then I'll say, they say, well, I'm going to quit my job. And I say, well, you may not want to do that. And then they quit their job and then we spend the next year doing prayer treatment so that they can survive because their source of income has been eliminated. And I'll say, well, you know, you might have skipped a step here. But it's sequential and it's getting clearer and clearer and clearer. And giving the infinite, giving God something juicy to work with. So this is a wonderful time of year. This is such a beautiful time to look out in the world and... and and set a new intention as we sort of move back into this, this season of learning and this season of being together, of community. What's the highest leverage thing I can do, you can do right now in support of that one thing? What dominoes do, do you knock down first? What's that first domino for you? What's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? Let's work with that question and see where it takes us. Blessings, so it is.